You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Kaprizov, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Hello, and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki back with you consecutive weeks. Feels like we haven't done consecutive weeks in forever, but this is a show that we absolutely cannot miss or skip. The trade deadline is just days away. Um, I think it is now, what, a week from Friday, if I recall yeah. correctly, yeah? So whatever yeah, that be, <laughs> yeah, by the time you're listening to this show, eight days away um, from the trade deadline. So got to hit on all that. We will probably go through. This will be our trade deadline show um, you know, in the event that something happens before the trade deadline is, is seemingly possible. We can hit on that next week, but the vibes this week much better. Wild have rattled off three straight wins, some of them nice, some of them not so nice, but wins nonetheless, so we'll talk about that, what's led to that, the positives we've taken away, <clears throat> all that good stuff. We'll talk Brock Besser, we'll talk additional potential trade targets, all that good stuff, but as we always do, got to check in on the fellas. Justin, how's it going for you uh, here on Snowmageddon? Good, yeah, I was going to say hunkering down for Snowmageddon, uh, you know, the kid's uh, not in school for the rest of the week, so kind of playing uh, teacher with his e-learning and and just, uh, you know, just hanging out really. It's my short week and have five days off, so. Uh, yeah, it's ready to talk wild hockey and then just hang out. Zeke, what about you? <clears throat> yeah, no, just you know, same as everybody else. Uh, thankfully, the you know the place I work at, they're pushing back the opening time till eight tomorrow, so I'm gonna get a couple extra hours of sleep tonight, which of course I'll waste by staying up for two more hours after we do this podcast. Well, absolutely, I need to, that's but, how it always works. But you know, that's it's good either way. Uh, hopefully, miss you know some of the heavy snow, but yeah, no, just like you said off the top, just. Much better feeling this week. Three wins in the pocket. A uh, lot of news going around, so excited to be here. Yeah, it should be exciting. Lots to get to. Um, I'm dog-sitting right now, so I've been in a much better mood all week. Yeah, it's always a good mood when you're <laughs> around a dog for five days straight, even if sometimes oh, yeah. he <clears throat> he feels the need to bark every time he sees another dog outside. Um, very loudly <laughs> and whimper. I'm like, I need to go meet that dog. Like, No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, and then he tries to literally pull me through the courtyard every time he goes to the bathroom. And he's a decent-sized dog. He's pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's... keeping me busy for better, sure. <laughs> better than angry. Better yeah, than angry. no, very true. No, he's, <laughs> he, he's, been, he's been nice. He's been good to have around. Um, anyway, so let's start. We do have some, uh, some good news in the prospect front. So, Justin, we will throw it over to you uh, to fill us in on what's going on um, in Minnesota Wild Prospect Land. Yeah, I'll start with uh, the great news. It, it sounds like um, Bob Motzko is awaiting official word on the training staff, but it sounds like Brock Faber will be playing again this weekend, You know, as long as he's cleared, which is good news. He's been out uh, a couple weeks here. 
And then uh, today, Liam Ugrin returned to the lineup for Drew Gardens. He was out for about four weeks. Um, played first line, had a shot on goal and a hit almost 20 minutes of time on ice. So two of our, uh, you know, top five to seven prospects, maybe even higher, are, you know, back, which is really good news. Um, kind of same old with Danila Yurov. He played uh, 13th, for- 13th forward today and ended up with like two minutes of time of ice, three shifts. The good news is with him, his team has two regular season games left plus the playoffs. So mm-hmm. hopefully once once the season ends, we, we get him over here. Hopefully we get news that he signs his entry-level contract. And Yeah, it, it, it seems to... weird because, you know, like if he – to me it feels like if he had intentions of playing in the KHL uh-huh. – that he would have signed an extension by now. And I know Russo had, I think, replied to a tweet or said somewhere, wrote an article that, you know, they would kind of hope to bring Husantinov, Ugrin, and um, Yurov, all of our, I think, at the end of next season um, mm-hmm. from Europe at once. But, like, if, if Yurov is only going to play two minutes a night while they hold out on a contract, um, maybe they want a multi-year deal. And he's like, no, I want to go for next year. So, yeah. you know, maybe if not sooner. So, yeah, I think it'll be really interesting – as those playoffs kind of wrap up and seeing if that ice, you know, when, you know, their season and money's on the line in the KHL, yeah. do they put one of their best? Because every time he's on the ice, he's great. He's oh, effective. Yeah. Right. Um, he had a brief stint down in the MHL again and like, like, a day. Yeah. I mean, like two points. Yeah, two points. Like the guy's <laughs> dang good at hockey. Um, so, I mean, like just either keep him there or don't. And yeah, so it'll be, I'm really curious to see kind of what he, decides to do here as that season wraps up um in in the coming weeks here and if the wild do decide to bring him over um for the sole purpose of making sure he's playing um because right. as we as we saw with marco rossi losing time and development you know it it can slow your your track to the nhl and i think you know they're at a spot where this is a guy that could be a significant part of this core yep. um when that window really does truly open so Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately it'll come down to what they believe is best, but you know, if it were me right now, I'd seriously be considering putting him on that entry level contract. Right. And, and you got to think if he signs, like <clears throat> if they want him in 2024, say he signs a one year contract in the KHL, are they going to dick him around again? Right. Try and get him to sign another long-term right. deal. Like why, why even take that chance to waste another year of development? Just bring him in your system and, and get him going exactly. over here. Yep. Especially so. if he wants to be here too. Right. <laughs> right. So, where, you yeah. know, I think a guy like Rat Husandinov, not saying he doesn't want to be here, but, you know, he's getting ice time. He's enjoying his time over right. there. There's no rush for him, per se, and he's playing on a good yeah. team on top of all that. But um, yeah, right. And the other thing I just wanted to chime in quick um, about Liam Ugrin, I think the really encouraging thing was, you know, it was a leg injury, um, and he came back and played 20 minutes, right? Like, it yeah. obviously doesn't seem like something that's hampering him. Um, and it seems like he's back, you know, 100%. Sometimes guys might come back. They'll play him, you know, maybe on the first line, but limit the power play time or the penalty kill time or, you know, play him on the third line and limit that 5v5 time, all that stuff. But it really felt like, you know, based on the ace time he saw today, it's like, nope, he's 100% full go. Right. All situations right back to where he left off. Yep. Well, and he was playing on a higher line than he was playing yeah. with when he went, went out. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Good stuff there, because you know, and I think that's a promotion he'd earned if not for the injury. He was on fire yeah. going in oh, yeah. and coming out of the World yeah. Juniors. So, yeah. yeah. Sorry, it's a little sidetrack no. there, but no, back no. to the report. <laughs> chime in what you want to chime in on. It's you know this is what we're here for. Um, and speaking of Marat, who is Nadinov that you just talked about, he had uh, two assists last game. He ended up passing Kirill Kaprizov's 
20 uh, year old season points mark. Kaprizov had 40 points. Uh, Who's in DM has 41 currently. Um, Kaprizov is a little bit more, uh, a little better because he did it in 16 less games, but he's still having a hell of a season playing top line, you know, power play, penalty kill, kind of getting all situations. He does have the 20 year old rookie, or not rookie, 20 year old season KHL mark for assists. Like, is that 30 assists now and count, like, whatever he ends up with at the end of the season will be the record. But, um, I mean, he's still, the only guys ahead of him are Kuznetsov and, like, another guy, I can't pronounce his name, and then Tarasenko. Um, I mean, he's kind of more in the realm of Buchnevich and Panarin, but uh, yeah, even if you have to become that. Yeah, if he turns into, even if it's right. probably, like, Artemi Panarin, yeah. obviously, he's an MVP-type caliber player, but Pavel Buchnevich, I mean, he's a very solid, yeah. good top six forward. Like, very right. solid. Like, if that could potentially be Huzninov's floor right now, like, phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Second round, and, pick, and who, phenomenal. Yeah, right. And, and who knows what he'll turn into, um, but stellar season stellar season for him in the k um another guy that had a stellar week was uh, nikita nesterenko he was actually our player of the week for the young guns page ended up scoring a hat trick uh five points in the last three games uh kind of an interesting uh prospect <laughs> kind of been heating up lately uh we'll kind of see what happens with him he's in his junior season has one year left to play who knows if he'll be another jack mcbain type situation but he seems to be uh you know, playing pretty well for Boston College. Uh, we'll talk about the Kamloops boys. Bankier had a couple point night the other night, up to 57 points in 41 games. Then Kyle Masters continues to have a stellar season. He's eclipsed the 50-point mark. Um, I think we've all kind of thought of him more defensively, but he's exploded offensively this season, and he's a point-per-game player and has another assist tonight, so he continues. Yeah, and had a really a nice play in front yep. of the net to stop a goal, too, basically strung on his stick, out-muscled a defending player with a wide-open net to save a goal. So, <clears throat> Yeah, strong-armed him. Giving it all at both ends of the rink. Love to see it. Right. And then Iowa, they are on a six-game pointless streak, kind of going through a rough stretch. They have uh, eight losses in a row. The The first two losses in that stretch were overtime losses, so they still got points. But still, after having points in 14 in a row, they're kind of going the other way right now. And uh, hopefully things turn around. But, you know, losing guys like Beckman to call up and, and just they take quite a bit of penalties some nights. And, and now uh, Mermes is called up, so... We'll kind of see where that goes. Yeah, you know, you're taking out one of your key offensive drivers. It's going to be tough. I mean, that's the AHL, though. Like, how much right. difference one guy can make. Um, and I've joked. I said, maybe you could, you know, maybe Sam Steele could inject some life in there. Maybe. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do think he would get through waivers. Um, but anyway, yeah. uh, more on that later. Um, so, yeah, is that, is that all you got for prospects? Yep, that's it for the prospects. Yeah, so much better news this week than last week. Last week, you know, the Wild were in shambles. Um, and this week, they're not in shambles as much. Um, they rattle off three wins uh, since we last recorded, um, starting off with a 2-1 to one shootout win over the Dallas Stars. They followed that up with a regulation win over the Predators, 4-3 to three on Sunday, and then have made it back-to-back uh, -back regulation wins with a 2-1 to one win over the Los Angeles Kings and Kevin Fiala last night. Uh, let's start the beginning of that Friday. Um, mm -hmm. Home game in Dallas. You know, last time the Wild met 
the Stars, maybe not their greatest effort. Um, I think they ended up losing that game 4-1, to one, but it was a game where they never really were in it. Um, I didn't feel like I think the closest they got in that game, I think was a th- I think they were down 3-zip, got to 3-1, pulled the goal, and I think there was an empty netter. Um, but really, this game tight all the way through. Um, Minnesota Wild actually outshoot Dallas 32-30. to 30. Um, Expected goals in the game, 2.71 for Dallas, 2.02 for Minnesota. Um, so really tight defensively, both ends of the ice, but ultimately it's the Wild who get it done in the shootout. Um, and obviously the big, you know, the big story in this this game, as well as you know every other game that the Wild have won recently, Philip Gustafson in this one, um, you know, 29 saves, 1.71 goal save above expected, just absolutely awesome um, in that one. And then the other big piece that was uh, that was the string of games where we started to see Adam Beckman get ice time, really solid in that game. Uh, that line's been really good. We can talk about them here holistically too. But um, goals in that one, Zuccarello. Um, the lone goal in that one, um, I believe it came on the power play, if I do recall, and a nice little dish uh, from Matt Boldy. Um, Alex Galagoski, to the, uh, you know, much to our disappointment, also picks up an assist on that one. Um, you know, maybe, but, uh, you know. So aside from that, you know, really entertaining game. Um, you know, kind of that playoff atmosphere, tight checking, low scoring, um, which feels like the way the Wild are probably going to have to win, barring, you know, some sort of change here in the next week and a half. And I mean, I'll be completely honest, you know, maybe, you know, what I was, uh, I'm not totally right on this, but I honestly didn't think that, you know, I guess maybe this is more the third period that Wild were really, you know, didn't really seem to me to have that great of a game. Now, maybe this is just because when they don't score, it just doesn't seem like anything's going right. So, but it felt like, you know, like you said, the first two periods, probably pretty even, you know, no goals, not a whole lot going on. You know, like we've talked about a lot, the Wild have been really good at, you know, preventing the other team from getting chances and from scoring, aside from last night. And, and you know, that was a continuation of that. But, it, you know, it felt like, aside from that, uh, you know, that power play goal there in the third, they kind of just, you know, were struggling to generate offense. But, you know, obviously, the power play is what has been their catalyst recently. It's been, aside from goaltending, what's kept them in games. And, uh, you know, you're never going to... You know, it sucked to not get the regulation win there against Dallas uh, to make it a three-point game. But, hey, you know, they got the win. And uh, like you said, it was – Gustafson is probably the story again in that game. It was just uh, – it was really damn good again. So. Yeah, I wasn't able to catch uh, – I was able to only catch portions of this because I was at work during this game. But um, I think another thing that's uh, kind of helped us uh, – not kind of helped us, really helped us is the fact that our penalty kill is really good. Um, yes. Dallas went 0 for 4 on the power play, and, you know, we go 1 for 2. Yeah, we end up going to a shootout, but say we give up two power play goals, it's a 2 to 1 game and we lose. But, yeah, between Gustafson and the penalty kill, I feel like uh, those are things that have really helped us uh, on top of the defensive structure we've had lately. Yeah, I know we talked about a little bit last week just how good um, that penalty kill has been. I'm working on pulling it up, but I, I don't believe in these last – three games that they've allowed a power play goal i know i think at one point they were like 18 or 19 straight penalties that they've killed or something yeah, like that they didn't like allow one against dallas kill. didn't allow one against nashville and they did not allow one against uh la either no. la only had one power play but yeah per natural yeah, stat trick really they have not allowed a goal uh on the kill since uh february 6th against the coyotes um and I'm, and going back to January 26th, that's the only one. So one, two, three, mm-hmm. four, five, six, uh, 
nine, 10, 11. So one, one goal against the last 11 games. And that's, you know, big piece of that's been discipline, um, against the avalanche one, one penalty, yeah. uh, took four against the stars, um, which you just alluded to, you know, the great kill in that game, huge, um, two against the predators. And then just, the I think it ended up being, they only had a, a minute and 15 of kill last night, but I feel like that might've been split. Maybe was there a, there was a four on four situation. I think. It yeah, that was there. Yeah, I got the hold. Yeah. So I think it might've just been that one penalty, um, mm-hmm. last night too. And, and, you know, that resulted, um, you know, and a Connor Dewar cha- really good chance uh-huh, um, yeah. in that one too. So yeah, like the penalty kill is, you know, arguably in addition to goaltending has been really the, you know, the, the thing saving this team right now. The special teams mm-hmm. have really come around. Um, the power play has still, you know, been scoring pretty well. Kills doing work and, um, you know, especially the last two games we've seen, you know, the 5v5 scorings come back a little bit. Um, you know, they, they found some creative ways to do it with three of those goals not even coming off of a stick. Um, but nonetheless, they have five, you know, five on five goals um, in the last two games as well, which I believe is as many as they had in the previous seven games combined. So um, that's where we can go next. We can go to Sunday's game uh, against the Predators if you guys have nothing else about that Dallas game. Uh, Someone entertaining, uh, you know, much of that game, the Wild really dominated it. Uh, we're up three to one with about five minutes left in the third. Um, got a chance with a uh, double minor for high sticking on uh, old friend Nino Niederreiter. Um, as he high stick Jonas Brodeen, um, in a very lousy power play, seemed to just Nashville really seemed to get some momentum from that kill. They end up scoring once, pull the goalie, get another one, and all of a sudden we were going, "Oh shit, here we go again!" And then uh, our good friend Ryan Hartman uh, in the right position, Jared Spurgeon makes a big hold at the blue line, uh, fakes a shot, gives over Jonas Brodeen, who just throws a Ryan Suter wrist shot toward the net, deflects off Hartman's chest into the net. Uh, with about 20-some seconds left in the game. Wild get that win 4-3. to three. Kirill Kaprizov, two goals in this one. Ryan Hartman, obviously, the goal. Assist as well. Matt Zuccarello picks up an assist. Awesome game from that line. 18-shot uh, attempts, 77% uh, expected goal share. Um, but the other really, for me, bright spot of this game was the Greenway-Goudreau-Duhame line. Uh, Brandon Duhame picked up a goal in this one. Um, I believe uh, one off his hip, basically, on a Freddie Goudreau yeah. shot. Um, and really weird game for them. Uh, they were out shot attempted 13 to three, a 19% Corsi percentage, uh, but had an expected goal share of, uh, 73%, uh, racked up 0.45 expected goals, um, on those three attempts. So pretty impressive there. Um, cause I do believe if I recall, I think Brandon Duhame had a breakaway opportunity in this one too, that he was stopped on, yeah. um, arguably his best game in a while, you know, from a very long time, um, looked like there was some synergy in that line, some room for optimism. And then they kind of crashed back to earth again last night. We can talk about that in a second, but you know, that was a bright spot in that one. Brodine and Dumba really good in this one, uh, on the ice for a goal, 76% expected goal share. They also kind of came crashing back to earth. Philip Gustafson, not his best game, um, finishes allowing mm-hmm. uh, three goals and 26 shots, but, you know, that was his dud, and they still got the win. Um, you know, offense came through, potted four goals. So, overall, you know, took the foot off the gas there for a couple minutes, almost cost him, found a way to win it in regulation, um, and pretty much, you know, seemingly felt like they took Nashville out of, out of the running for the playoffs, which I think was the big key in that one, um, and a bunch of other Central Division teams losing mm-hmm. that day as well. So, ended up being a, a pretty big win uh, for the Wild as well. Yeah, it's kind of something that we brought up at the last show is we weren't necessarily worried about the teams that were ahead of us that are way ahead of us. It's 
or the teams behind us is basically the teams we had to uh, jump ahead of and uh, mm-hmm. make sure the teams ahead of us didn't get too far ahead of us. And we kind of did that with these three games. I also, you brought up that Greenway, Duhame, uh, Goodrow line. Uh, they've been matched up against uh, the top lines the last couple games. We've done uh, pretty well on them. So maybe a, even if it's a flash in the pan, another grief line that Dean's thrown together. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing about Duhame that, you know, I've liked the most recently is just how fast he moves and how hard. It's kind of reminds you of what we haven't seen from Felino, like his first, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of years going into the pandemic and all that. He was, you know, I'm not saying he isn't like that now, but it's that similar, you know, always racing on the four check hard, banging into the boards, you know, really making life pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, and on I, I know the officials hard. never call it, but it feels like, t- to your point, Zeke, about just moving mm-hmm. his feet, it seems like every time he chips a puck in, it's like he's going to win that race. And all of a sudden, defense, we yeah. don't like pinch him off or get in his way. I'm like, that probably should be interference, but they never call that. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's just those hustle plays like that, um, which I agree 100% has been re- really nice to see out of him, uh, kind of bringing that energy, that speed. Um, and then to get rewarded with a goal was, was a nice, you know, icing on the cake for him as well. Well, I think, you know, that that goal is, you know, in that game overall, I think the biggest thing for me was, you know, I mean, you saw on Duham's goal and on the other – two of the other goals, too, that they scored – or, you know, all of them, sorry uh, – tongue tied here but you know it was just showing you know what happens when you shoot the puck i mean like you mentioned that yep. first one just throwing it from goudreau hits off duham goes in you know the second one zuccarello on the power play has a lane to the net gets shot off rebound is right there for a tap in by Krizov, and then at the end you know 20 seconds left birdie throwing one in and pinballing off of like three guys in front uh, it's been you know we've talked about that you know ad nauseum and everyone has but I think that's, you know, that was just key in that game was just uh, not only controlling the play, but uh, taking your shot when you have the chances and not trying to be too fancy aside from, you know, as Brett mentioned, that power play in the third uh, seemed to really do well at, you know, getting pucks to the net and creating offense. And, uh, you know, Soros really was the only reason it wasn't probably like four and up and after the second there. So, uh, but that, that was the biggest thing for me is that they were just, you know, they weren't just uh, fumbling the puck around trying to make fancy plays. They're just getting to the net, and good things happened. Yeah, those that first period, it felt like it could have they could have had like five or six goals. The one that really yeah. sticks out, you know, the short. I think it was a shorthanded opportunity um, for for Dewar and, and Shaw. Dewar makes a nice power move, and then Saros makes a really nice like lifted right pad safe. He gets the rebound, throws it out to Shaw wide open, and here comes Nino Niederreiter in, just Same. flopping. It's like dives out and it hits Niederreiter, um, and then Niederreiter a nice back check too, and another really good opportunity um, in that one. So I mean, th- there were some really good chances that whole time. I think they had a, one or two posts in there as well. Um, Didn't Eck have a breakaway too there? Right yeah, I think that? Eck had a breakaway. I think Duhame had a breakaway. Um, yeah. They had lots of chances. It was just, you know, it yeah. felt like the, the score to me didn't reflect how well they played that game. It, you know, to me, it felt like one of the best, most complete games they had played in a long time. You throw that, you know, that, that those four minutes out can't, um, but outside yeah. those four minutes, you know, they, they were the ones in control of that one, you know, from Absolutely. start to finish. And then mm-hmm. moving on um, to last night's game against the LA Kings not necessarily the prettiest of victories in this one the wild are outshot 34 to 20 out attempted 73 to 43 high danger chances in this one 16 for the la kings two for the minnesota wild just 1.98 expected goals for 
but Ryan Hartman decided to use his stick in this one to score twice. Just two absolutely beautiful snipes. First one, a really nice entry by Krill Kaprizov. Draws two defenders to him, dishes to a trailing Hartman, and then Hartman does it himself on the second. A little toe drag move to the middle, goes top corner, and then Philip Gustafson, this one just absolutely stands on his head. 33 saves, 2.53 goal save above expected. It got a standing ovation from the Minnesota Wild fans um, right before his postgame interview with Kevin Gorg. Um, you know, outside of Philip Gustafson um, and the two Ryan Hartman goals, not a whole lot of other positive takeaways for me. Uh, Bronin and Dumba had 1.96 expected goals against in this one on 26 shot attempts. Um, they were on the ice for that pulled goalie goal as well. Just a abysmal night for those two, um, which sucked because they had, they had really been playing really well, but not their best effort last night. But then again, it wasn't uh, you know the wild seemingly Zeke as we talked before the show. Um, you know, didn't really feel like they had the puck for you know a good chunk of this game, including about seventy five percent of the second period. Right. Yeah, we were out shot fourteen to four in that second period uh, to hold one of the top scoring teams in the NHL to one goal. It, it's such an ode to Gustafson. We talked about last week too. Just uh, now he's 10, one and one in his last 12 home games and, and, and mm-hmm. across his past five games, he's four and one with a one, five, three goals against average and almost a 95% save yeah. percentage. He's and nearly, just, and just, just shy of six goals save above expected in that time. Frame yeah. as well. So they're riding the hot hand, like we wanted him to do. And he's, you know, looking like he's taking that one spot. Of course, Flurry's gonna get some spot spots too. Like we mentioned last week, maybe give him some of the cupcake games, get him give, going again. But give him Columbus. Uh, <laughs> man. Yeah, give him Columbus and Gustus in Toronto. It's he's he's mm-hmm. on fire. All aboard the Gus bus here. Well, I mean, you know, it's we've talked about you know a lot about the calmness and it's you know, it was the whole game last night, but especially there when they, you know, LA pulled the goalie with almost three minutes left. I mean, they pretty much had seemed the puck in there the whole time and it's never you know, it just seems like he's never out of position and, you know, never, you know, it's just, it's just pretty amazing that he just never seems to be out of position, never, you know, flopping around, not that, like, Flurry, that's his style of play. It's not always bad, but he just never seems to be, you know, like you said, he's just never flustered. And it's, you know, it's pretty amazing that, uh, you know, that keep it going. But obviously, you know, he's in his own right now. We've seen that with, you know, like guys like Dubnik here before and goalies all the time can, you know, when it's going really well, uh, it goes really well and it's, you know, it can go out for a long time. And I think, you know, like, like you said, Justin, he'll probably get most of the starts and rightfully so. I mean, if not just for the fact, I will see that he's won them a bunch of games, you know, prime example last night that, you know, if he wasn't a net, they, you know, would have a hard time winning simply just, you know, partially they can't score. And also, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, what's happened like against Colorado last week, but yeah, no, he was definitely obviously the key to last night and it was a real uh real uh you know I, that was pretty shitty that the shutout got ruined there with 20 seconds left yeah, so, no, yeah. at least you know at least no one on the broadcast said it <laughs> the s word so they didn't give it crap but it's because i was yeah, queuing, that, it was i was queuing up my gustafson go tweet but yeah no he's he's awesome nothing else to say yeah, but, you know, I, this still the, the coolest moment for me was just that ovation. I mean, this was probably after, you know, 60% of the arena had filtered out, and it was a yeah. it was a loud roar. Um, yeah. And he just, you know, Gustafson's trying to talk and just had to pause. You just see this huge smile, 
ear up to cross his face. And it, to me, it just seemed like one of those kind of like, fuck yeah, I made it kind of moments, right? Where, you know, you work so hard and, you know, you, in Ottawa, he, you know, he didn't win a lot of games. That's a tough fan base. They're passionate fans, but, you know, they, there wasn't a lot of people there. You have all the ownership changes. You know, you, you journey through Europe to make it over. You get traded. All this stuff, like that, that's a lot to go through. And I think he's still 23 years old. Um, going on 24 and I think that was just a moment for him where it just kind of set in of like you know that this feels really good and it's because I earned it right um, mm-hmm. you know maybe a moment for him you know he talked about how much he loves playing in front of the fans complimented the fans like oh that I, something on the lines of there's a blizzard outside you know the building was still full <laughs> um, all that stuff but you know maybe some good feelings in there for him because god forbid you know he's earned every whatever he wants in an extension um, you know, I think he's, he asked, I think he has earned his way to the top of the priority list, um, in terms of extension, what that looks like, who knows, um, at this point, try to, try to do it now before he gets even better. Um, but just what a story he's been, you know, I think, you know, no one saw this coming, um, with how well he's played, you know, we, we talked when they made the trades, like this felt like a lateral move. Um, but you know, what Talbot, you know, was good last year because the wild outscored the problems. Um, and it, you know, we talked a lot in this show, like it never felt like Talbot stole wins. And, you know, I, the amount of wins that Gustafson has, you know, felt like he's stolen. Um, it's, it, it's felt like a lot, um, this year, you know, n- none bigger probably than the one yesterday against LA, a team who had, I believe scored five goals in three straight games coming into that one. So just, mm-hmm. just phenomenal and really happy for, for the youngster. He, he's, he's earned it. And I think, you know, to your point, Brett, we were, you know, could, like you said, no one obviously expected him to be this good. But, I mean, when you think about it, he was second-round pick uh, by Pittsburgh back in 2016, which, you know, a second-round pick on the goalie is, you know, a relatively high pick. And right. I think he was traded to Ottawa. You know, it ended up not being a great deal for Pittsburgh for Derek Broussard, but he was a big piece in that trade. And, you know, obviously you don't expect him to – any guy to be coming in and being – showing this good uh you know with still relative experience but i think you know maybe it shouldn't surprise us too much that he's you know at the fair that he's an nhl goaltender i mean he was at one point uh you know really good prospect he has all the attributes i mean he's kind of like wallstead same in the fact that he's got he's big at six three you know very calm in that very square like you said and uh swedish way. yeah yes yeah, swedish yeah so it uh yeah no i mean like the best thing is that he's 24 still like like brett mentioned too and he's not 35 in an expiring contract and this could be a guy i mean you could have a one-two punch here for a bunch of years to come and uh you know that would if you would have told us that last summer when that deal was made you know we'd have been pretty happy so and I didn't realize until I looked into it, and we brought it up on the show before, but uh, people forget or don't realize that he was the top-rated European goalie in that, that draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was only a couple goalies ahead of him. I forgot who they were. I think they are pretty decent goalies. But uh, we've said before, too, goalie goaltending is voodoo, and then you know development is so different with them, and, and maybe we're, we're seeing it take off here for him. That was the year uh, Carter Hart was selected by Philadelphia, too. So it's another lesson in not – you know, they take your time, they take time. So. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So really awesome to see he's obviously the big story and you know, it feels like every week we, we dedicate five minutes to talking about Philip Gustafson, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's always due. Um, but that pretty much covers the recaps. Um, Columbus twice in Toronto. 
I believe next up here is, I don't know, is there <clears throat> one more game before we record next? Um, Columbus, Toronto, and then, uh, yeah, we actually have four games before we record Columbus again, and then the Islanders. Oh, yeah, on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Four games. Um, you know, obviously Toronto, great team, just picked up Ryan O'Reilly. Um, we could talk a little bit about, about that trade, but, um, you know, ultimately the wild bought a draft pick for like, you know, it's like $74,000 in cash. Killer. Yeah. So, you know, make, makes sense. You know, I think the big thing there is, well, why would you help St. Louis? It's well, you know, you're, you're helping yourself by making sure Ryan O'Reilly stays out of the Western conference. Um, so, you know, that, that's pretty much all there is there. Um, they're going to be a good team. O'Reilly, I think at a hat trick last night, um, for Toronto or, uh, in Buffalo, you know, where his career started um, on top of that. But um, Columbus, they are the worst team in the Eastern Conference right now. 18 wins, 34 losses, just 41 points on the year. A negative 66 goal differential, which is second worst in the NHL. Um, <laughs> a distant second to the Anaheim Ducks, who are at negative 101. Um, <laughs> so, I mean... Those are games you absolutely completely have to win. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as well as this team has played late, I think you know, obviously a little bit too. You know, didn't find the offense necessarily against LA, but I think if they you know play Columbus like they played Nashville, like they played Dallas, um, I really like their chances to come out two more wins in that one. Toronto obviously going to be a hard fight, but you know they've won mm-hmm. some tough games lately. You know, the Dallas game probably could have beaten a granted a, a depleted Colorado team, um, but you know overall played them well. Um. Yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. optimistic about the stretch upcoming, and uh, you know, I think, you know, last week we were like, sell everything, don't buy. But now the Wild have you know rattled off three straight. They're four points clear of Calgary. They're all of a sudden knocking on the door mm-hmm. of the division lead. Um, four points back at Calgary or ahead of Calgary in the wild card, but also only four points out of second. That's amazing. Like, they're right back in the thick of things. Um, And I believe that, I think games are all equal across the board there. So all of a sudden, they're right back in this thing um, with some winnable games upcoming. So obviously, you know, the rumors have have swirled up again. Um, I think the first one we were missed, if we didn't talk about, is Brock Besser. Um, You know, I think we've dismissed this in the past. The cap's not going to work. Um, but it seems like, you know, Ben Hankinson, uh, Brock Besser's agent is trying to talk to Billy Guerin. It's Brock Besser wants to come here, which I think plays in the wild's favor. Cause I think for one that keeps your costs down. Um, but has been the issue with any term based trade that the wild need to work out, um, is a salary cap 6.65 million on the books for the rest of this year. And I believe the following two years. Um, so basically through the Sudaprizi buyouts, um, you know, the one way this potentially works, um, and I think I spelled this out a little bit on Twitter today um, yeah. for those who read through the messages, um, would be to essentially just do what the Toronto Maple Leafs did with Ryan O'Reilly. You're going to have to bring in a third team. Um, so, you know, if you have, if you move out Greenway, I don't know if Vancouver wants him or if that's, you know, another deal on the side, but you move out that $3 million. Um, that helps to start. You get Vancouver to retain 50% of that, and then you bring in a a third team to retain 50% of the remaining money, and that would get that cap hit, if I did everything correctly, down to about $1.665 million on the cap hit, which is doable um, across the next two years. But I think what it ultimately really boils down to for making that work 
is, you know, with the O'Reilly deal, the Wild are retaining for the rest of this year. It's a fourth-round pick. But a big reason mm-hmm. Vancouver wants to move on from Brock Besser, from my understanding, is his cap hit. They they want that money off the books. So it might be a hard sell to say, hey, can you retain 50% of this contract? Um, and like we, you know, I just outlined, the Wild probably need that salary retained twice. Um, you know, even mm-hmm. if they find a third party broker, broker to bring it down to 3.35, that probably still, you know, straps you a little bit too tight. So how do you sweeten that? Do you have to maybe, does that pick maybe have to move up around now? Is it a prospect, you know? And, and that becomes the question of, you know, at what point, if you're a Bill Guarantee you got to say, no, we just can't do that. Is it a first round pick? Is it a second round pick? If it's not a pick, is it a prospect? You know, is it a Ryan O'Rourke? Is it an Adam Beckman? You know, I think that's more of the prospect level. If you're Vancouver, at least maybe where you're starting, um, you know, that first, second, or equivalent level in addition to, you know, a proven NHL player in Jordan Greenway who comes back with a little bit of term and control as well. So, mm-hmm. and then, you know, as far as the other team too, that retention, you know, the Wild retain for a fourth. If you're bringing that, that third party again, you know, it is extra couple years on that. So, you know, does that now to become a third or a second? Um, for me, I think I'm open to second round picks. And I think, you know, if it was a, you know, a, a Damon Hunt or an Adam Beckman type of prospect, I think I would have to consider that. Um, you know, Besser's, when he's been healthy, has been, you know, a proven scorer in this league. I think he's on pace for 50, 60 points this year. Granted, that hasn't come as much in the way of goals. Um, but, you know, obviously a ton of moving pieces here, not impossible. Um, but in terms of some of the other options out there, this is one I'm more in favor of if they can get all those moving pieces to, to come together. Um, don't know if you mm-hmm. guys share the same sentiment. Hopefully the way I laid that out makes some sense to you guys and the listeners. Um, but that would be, um, and Russo confirmed the one way it would potentially be possible. Yeah. I, I mean, think, I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. sorry, Zeke. Uh, I, I think I'd be, uh, in on it, depending on what we gave up. I mean, he's still only 25. Uh, Mm -hmm. We still need someone on the other side of Baldy. And um, I mean, hopefully we can get Caprice after his uh, contract ends up, but uh, get someone to help try and make a run with him too, while trying not to give too much up for the future in return. Um, Yeah. I mean, he scores 23, 25, close to 30 goals a season. That would uh, really help, hopefully, our 5v5 scoring. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I said, Boldy before. So I'm, I'm like, open to it. And on top of that, on too, it would give you, up. you know, a little bit, you know, now all of a sudden you could have Hartman, Besser, another X forward on your second power play. And all of a sudden, you know, maybe you have a yeah. little more talent there. Um, rolling out Jordan Greenway, Marcus Felino, Freddie Goudreau those type of players in your yeah. second power play. Granted, they don't see a lot of ice time, but you know, having someone like that, or maybe it allows you to put Besser in your first unit, move someone else down to the second, giving you some other options there as well. Yeah, no, I think, you know, I think I may be a little more willing to uh, part with some picks and prospects than maybe a lot of fans are. I mean, I certainly don't want to just be thrown around, obviously first round picks and guys from that top tier, like the five, six ish, like candy, you know, obviously for if it's a rental, you know, like some other guys we'll talk about later, I'm absolutely, uh, you know, totally against that. But, I mean, like Brett mentioned, the the, the attractive part here is that, like you said, Besser's under contract for two more years. And, you know, if that salary is down to the 1.6 or whatever it is, and you get him for the next two years in the his prime, hopefully a chance to get healthy, to bounce back at home, uh, to, you know, like, like Justin mentioned, 
potentially play on that second line with Boldy and really, you know, expand the scoring depth of this team, which could also, you know, maybe in effect open up more space for the bottom two lines to maybe get some more offensive opportunities. I think, you know, this is definitely a, you know, movie you'd have to consider and one that I'm definitely, uh, you know, open to because, you know, as everyone knows, they need scoring, uh, you know, it's like you said, it's very complicated, not only from the money, but exactly what the prices would be. Like, would you be, would you want to give up, you know, a player, uh, you know, a prospect and a pick to Vancouver for Besser and then another pick to another team, you know, potentially up to a second to retain that salary. You know, that's something that they obviously would have to decide. But I think, you know, I, I think that the fact that they've really spent the last three, four years, you know, developing their system, and and really keeping all their picks i think you know it's tough with the cap hell but i think with a guy like besser that you can maybe dip into that a little bit even if you know it, not a ton but i think you can afford to dip into a little bit if it makes your team better this year and then the next couple of years uh, during that and you know potentially gives you a better chance at you know making a run in postseason or and winning some more games uh you know up the next couple of years than you would have now but yeah, it's not, uh, you know, I'm I'm very open to it. I just think, it, you know, I think this, you know, like we know the cap gets worse next year. It goes up to like 14-7. So, you know, I know we said it last year where this is their last chance to really make a move. But it seems like, you know, again, this year they have potentially a chance, you know, even if it doesn't look like the team is that great right now, you got a really hot goalie in Philip Gustafson. You know, the Western Conference, you know, isn't, you know, there's Colorado still who I think is probably going to end it's up playing. It's so division. wide open. But if you get, I mean, the Wild add- just beat in two of th- mm-hmm. two in this last stretch of games. They just beat the top team in the Central and the top team in the Pacific. They beat mm-hmm. them both, and you know, last night. And but you know, we've seen. I think all three games with LA have been one goal games this year. Like, the, yeah. it's there's not a juggernaut that you're afraid of in the NHL in in the West right now. So I yeah. think like, you know, you can make the argument. I think because you were just leading to here of like, uh, is it worth to go out? It it might be this year just because you know where if you look at the East, Boston is you know clearly miles ahead of mm-hmm. everyone else. But I mean, I think there's something like five or six teams that are battling for wild card position in that conference. Yeah. Where like now in the West, you know, it it's it feels mm-hmm. like it's maybe down to nine teams for eight spots, maybe a tenth in there. Um, where the East is, you know, outside of the teams in the Bedard sweepstakes, which is, you know, two to three of them. Um, It's so much, so much, you know, more wide open in the West. So a move like this all of a sudden, you know, things like that, where you're like, ah, you know, maybe it would be worth it to to consider this. And I know, sorry, Zeke, I was going to say another thing about Besser too is, you know, it's been noted that he wants to come here, wants to come home. Uh, coming out of Cap Hell, I mean, yeah, we're gonna have all these prospects. We're gonna have a, a shit ton of money, hopefully, to spend uh, to really make this team really good. Uh, what would it look like keeping him around then? Because he'll still only be around twenty-seven years old, yep. and will he take it like a hometown-friendly deal, or you know, what does that look like? It's yeah, not that's, like you know, that's a point rental. where you have you know Zuccarello coming out the books. I think at that point too, so. You know, you'll have some decisions to make there. But, yeah, I mean, th- th- there's a long-term play here. Again, all of this comes down to if and how you can make the money work, um, which is not an easy task. Is it impossible? No. Um, yeah. Would I bet on this trade happening? Probably not. 
Um, but you never know. Um, the other piece we didn't mention, you know, Kalen Addison will probably continue to swirl through trade rumors just given his mm-hmm. current situation. I think Nashville is, or not, excuse me, not Nashville, Vancouver wants defensemen. And outside mm-hmm. of Quinn Hughes, I don't know if they have a lot in their pipeline um, or, you know, <laughs> on their own blue line right now. Um, yeah. So is someone like that, you know, playing behind Quinn Hughes, um, is that attractive to them? I don't know. Um, but if it's not, I mean, we, we've talked at nauseum how many, you know, NHL upside defense prospects the Wild have. You know, I think any not named Lambos or Faber, um, <clears throat> I think I would include Addison in that mix, you know, in the mix, in the latter mix here of anyone mm-hmm. not named Lambos or Faber. I'm probably open um, in, in some sort of Besser deal too. So, Again, I mean, it's not that it's not that we want him to go. It's just you, right. you, can, you can see the writing on the wall here that this is probably not a long term relationship, as long as you know Dean Evison is the coach at the very least, and yeah. you know it seems like he'll be here at least for another year. So, yeah, no, I, I, uh, you know, it would kind of suck, but I could uh, could be open. Would rather do that than say dip into your first round picks or Agreed. your, you know, up top guys. Uh, so definitely, but yeah, I just think you know overall that. It's, uh, you know, back to my original point, just to backtrack a tiny bit, you know, I just think it's, uh, you know, I think as our, you know, friend Tony and some of the other guys have been talking about, I don't think you can just completely sit back these next three years and just say, whatever happens, happens. Uh, obviously, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, fine. You know, they, they still have a shot. It's the NHL. But, you know, I think this is, a, like we just, like we said, this is an opportunity potentially to, you know, really bolster your team and, you know, really uh, give him a legitimate shot here. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Other targets. I think the obvious next place we can go here is Patrick Kane. Um, Reportedly Minnesota wild scout or scouts in attendance tonight at the Blackhawks. And uh, who are they playing? Uh, Stars. Stars. Yeah. Um, uh, and obviously the wild are not there to scout the Dallas stars. I don't think no. the first place stars are looking to sell off any assets. So clue there to watch Dallas. We know there's been rumblings, whispers of Patrick Kane, um, Sam Lafferty, Jake McCabe, Max Domi, among others, um, that the Blackhawks are reportedly looking to move. Is there any in that mix, you know, outside of Kane, the wild of interest in, I mean, they've had opportunities in the past to go after Max Domi have, and I don't think they like him that much. Um, Jake McCabe is the one who I may be wondering in the back of my mind is a potential. Um, but I think he's got two more years left or so around. Uh, I'm going to look it up because I don't want to speak incorrectly here. Um, awkward silence on the feed. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's got four million um 29 years old i believe he is a was he a right shot no he's a left shot six foot one um left shot deep been playing pretty heavy minutes for chicago all year i think arguably their best defender we might have talked about him on this show um a couple weeks ago four million dollar hit through the next two years so 50 percent retained all of a sudden there's a solution in your top four i do feel i do think his price is a little bit higher um, even though the Wild mm-hmm. going to pay for someone of his caliber potentially, um, but those would be the two I would think they would maybe be looking at Kane and McCabe. Um, again, with with McCabe, you would probably need 
them to retain salary or somehow work in a third party, all that, blah, blah, blah. Um, let's talk about Patrick Kane. I think we've kind of avoided on this show a little bit. Um, for me, I'm just so out um, on Patrick Kane. I know he's played a little bit better uh, as of late. Um, he had a hat mm-hmm. trick, I think, and then I think had you know a goal the other night, had another one taken away because time ran out. You know, seemingly all of a sudden playing a little more motivated. Um, I think after catching some heat for looking disinterested when he was playing, I think against Toronto, a potential destination, um, and just played a complete terrible game. And I think uh, that that got out to the media. Um, I think he maybe took the heart a little bit, putting a little more effort. Um, but I mean, this is a guy who's completely fallen off. You know, basically since 2016, all of his numbers have been in decline. He does not play defense, and I, I mean, you you can argue, you know, well. You know, Patrick Kane is on a bad team. He's not motivated to play defense. But it goes back to before. Like, Patrick Kane has always been a good goal scorer. He's been a point producer. But his defense has never really been good. Um, and for a coach who has benched Kevin Fiala, Matt Dumba, Kalen Addison for their defensive deficiencies and turnovers, I can't imagine that he would that Patrick Kane would fit in this system. Because I think he would drive Dean Evison up a wall. Because um, he plays the same way as this guy. He's a high-risk forward. He doesn't play a lot of defense. You know, if you do slot him in on a boldy Eck line, maybe those two can cover for those deficiencies. Um, you know, but and then there's all the off-ice stuff from that sexual assault case, which, you know, the reports are the whole locker room knew about it. That would include him. Um, there was, you know, the, the, the punching the cab driver incident. Um, it just doesn't seem like a culture fit to me when you factor all that stuff in, I don't like the, the, the lazy attitude of I'm on a bad team and I'm not going to try like that. It just, I, all of it to me should stay away. Even if, you know, the reporter asking a price of a second round pick, I just don't think I'm interested. Um, does he help? Maybe, but I just don't think it's worth it. I mean, I think, you know, I'm not, I'm a little different. I'm not totally out, but I mean, everything you just mentioned uh, there, Brett involving him. I just think I'm not totally out, but there's like a billion different questions, you know, about his, like you said, his play, his health, uh, you know, leadership and character things. And like you said, fitting into the culture of the team uh, that, uh, you know, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of question marks there for a guy who could cost you a significant asset return and as a rental. So I'm not totally out, you know, maybe that's probably simply just because of name recognition and, remembering how you know good he was when they kicked the wild butts in the playoffs three years in a row but yeah i'm i'm not shutting the door closed but it's uh he's probably you know way down my list of you know there's probably 10 other guys i'd rather have before him so yeah i i don't have much to add i just feel like we have to give up too much of the future to to bring him in i i just mm-hmm. i don't think i'm ready to do that i mean as patrick kane but uh I mean, Father Time has its its card, and then it, it just seems like, like you mentioned, Brett, you know, year after year, it's. I mean, yeah, he's really good still, but with the defensive problems and and maybe less scoring year after year, it's. I don't know. I, I'm not totally out, but don't it's mostly out, I guess you could say. Not. I don't think it's worth the uh, the risk. Yeah. So one to monitor. One I wouldn't be, you know, a, a real big fan of. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens there. Maybe it's one they, you know, potentially circle back on. Um, and the other, the other thing here too, is that he, I, you know, I was reading from, I can't remember one of the reporters in Chicago that they're essentially taking it a 
team by team basis. Yeah, of I did see that. Giving this list, so if it's not the Rangers, then it's another team. So, you know, they can well, could be interested in all they want, but you know, he, if he doesn't want to come here, he won't come here. So that's the other thing. Yeah, some potential other names: um, Anthony Duclair of the Florida Panthers, um, one year left, three million bucks. I think Relatively, he got hurt though. Man. He's been hurt. Um, I don't know if he's come back yet. I think he's coming off. It's either an ACL or I think an Achilles. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think he's maybe has returned to the lineup. So I mean that carries a lot of risk there. Um, you know Florida all of a sudden battling it's for a playoff better. position. Yeah. You know is is he someone they're potentially willing to move on from? Hard to say for sure. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi has been another name that's been brought up um, in Detroit, but you know similar situation there. Um, his price to acquire is going to be astronomical. Um, he's a pending UFA. You would think that would maybe be a guy the Wild would maybe even want to go as far as to extend. Um, but I think Detroit feels like they're in a situation where they could push for that final wild card spot in the East mm-hmm. into a point, I think, where they want to open up you know, a window of maybe not necessarily contention, but playoff. Um, and he could still be a, a pretty big piece of that. But again, like Duclair, he's been hurt for much of the season. Um, you know, Ivan Barbashev from the Blues – I don't think he's the top six fix really that they're looking for. Um, then of course there's James Van Riemsdyk um, out in Philadelphia, who to me, I don't know, just I, he kind of like Barbashev to me is, I don't know if he's enough, you know, I, I don't think he moves the needle enough to give up assets again. Deke, like you mentioned, you know, rent rentals here, you know, is that opportunity cost, you know, isn't Adam Beckman to a JVR an upgrade? Yeah. But is it significant? Is it, is it worth a, a second or first, whatever it might cost you? I don't think so. Um, Taze, you know, hasn't going anywhere. We've talked about Domi already. Um, and the only one that's, you know, Sean Monahan, but, you know, much like Domi, I feel like that's a guy they've had opportunity to acquire, haven't been interested. So the options out there aren't vast, right? They might still be looking to add on the blue line. Now, top four defensemen, I think, is where we're at. Uh, there, sorry, a little technical issue on our end. Uh, you know, top four defensemen not named Dumba. You know, seem to cost you like second, first round pick. You know, I think the the Blues have been asking for like a first round pick for Vladislav Gavrikov, who is like a very average across the board defenseman. Like he's not a bad defenseman, but like he's you know probably very similar to Matt Dumba from like last year. Um, I would say not as much this year, Dumba, but, you know, last two years where it's like, yeah, he's fine. And I, they're apparently, like, not budging on, like, a first-round ask. Um, I think the Bruins are close there on acquiring him, but, you know, beyond, I don't know if there's a huge top-four defense market out there. I mean, there's some really, really big names. Um, Jacob Chikrin, who the Wild are not going to be able to afford. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if there's, like, any... There's rumors that he might not even get traded now. Right, because they don't have to. Like, he... He had they have control and term on him. They don't have to move him. You know, Eric Carlson's obviously out there while they're not gonna be in an Eric Carlson. Like there's really big names and like you have your lesser guys, your you know, your Luke Shens of the world who to me really I, ugh, I don't think you know he's he's big. Yeah. <laughs> he's John Merrill big but a little bit bigger probably. Like that's that's mm-hmm. what you'd get there and I don't really think that's what they're looking for necessarily. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. You know, there there's some players out there. You just you don't really know where the wild are kicking the tires or not. Um, obviously, this Besser one, you know, as we say with Russo, where there's smoke, there's usually some sort of fire. 
Um, you know, it sounds like maybe those conversations have potentially heated up maybe recently. Um, but it, you know, still whether or not that goes anywhere is to be seen, but you know, is there any names that we've talked about that you guys really like, or you think you'd be in on making a move for or anyone that we haven't brought up, um, at all? I don't know about, you know, like huge interest, but the Tyler Bertuzzi thing is, uh, I mean, I guess they're asking for like a first or like a, a second, a couple seconds or a second at prospect or something like that. But I mean, he plays with a lot of like grit. And speed that yeah, he's that type definitely of player a Dean Evison. Yeah, it seems like a Dean Evison <laughs> type like, of player. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give up necessarily, you know, like a first or like high end stuff for him. But yeah, he's also twenty seven years old. Uh, but he definitely seems to fit the mold of the players they like. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly an interesting player. I guess you know that's another guy you know who's. Potentially a rental, uh, potentially not. I don't know exactly the situation there. So that kind of, you know, along with the high asking price, you know, makes me a little little wary there. But, you know, and aside from the fact, like Brett mentioned, that we don't even know if he's going to be available. So uh, he, interesting, but, you know, I just think pretty much in any guy, I mean, I think it's pretty much top six forward or bust, you know, at the trade deadline this year. I don't. You know, there could, like Brett was talking about, they could upgrade a D. You know, they could maybe use that. But, you know, is that and doesn't really seem to be the price is worth it and doesn't really seem to be any point in adding, like, a bottom six guy or depth, Agreed. you know, like That's you see every point. year. So if, if it's not going right to be now. an impact player. So. Oh, yeah. It seems like Garen has a track record of getting guys that you can keep for a couple of years too. So well, and, and I think that's what makes this so difficult is, you know, so off like the wilderness situation where they would love to take a guy on with term, but their calorie set calorie sap, their salary cap situation just (laughs) doesn't allow them to do it without some sort of third party broker. And that's when your assets start to go up. And then, you know, if you are, if it is a Tyler Bertuzzi or this one year rental type, how much, you know, how much does that player have to move the needle for you and we, we right. talked on this show, I think, last week, and I, despite you know the, the couple wins recently, I still think they are two pieces away from probably being a true contender. And at that point, how much are you willing to sacrifice for your future for rental players potentially? So I, I, I just – I don't know. Yeah, and I only brought up Tyler Bertuzzi because maybe not just the interest factor. It just felt like – his play style fits Absolutely. their mold, but like mm-hmm. there's pr- not, not necessarily high interest. It's just the thought I had. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing that I did, I did want to uh, circle back on a little bit. Um, you know, we talked in the last episode a little bit about Adam Beckman. Um, this was before we had confirmation um, that he was being called up. Um, we mentioned that show, like if they call him up, please, for the love of God, throw him on the wing with Boldy and Erickson Eck. Um, sure enough, they listened. You know, we know Dean Evison listens to this podcast, sometimes takes our advice, sometimes doesn't. Um, thought, hey, that's a pretty good idea. I should do that. I should put a scoring forward on a scoring line instead of on a uh, fourth line. Um, so, yep. Sorry about that. Um, one second. I think we need we need to include that in the show, Brett, where you were like, <laughs> that's it! <laughs> no. 
he sees a dog outside and it's like, that is my new best friend and I need to bark at him as loud as I can. I'm like, we have neighbors, sir, and it is 940 on a school night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, Adam Beckman. Um, maybe I'll keep that one in there. We'll see. Um, Adam Beckman, um, you know, that line hasn't scored um, with his addition, um, but he's played four games since the recall. Um, I believe it was the Colorado game, I think, was the first one. Maybe? No. Uh, I feel like he's played four games. No, he's only played three. Addison's been scratched for four. Mm-hmm. Beckman's, I think, played for three. Oh, okay. I, th- I think that's where my head's at. Anyway, but, you know, and I tweeted this out the other night, but that line, you know, ha- like hasn't scored a goal yet, um, but has looked pretty good. Um, 31 minutes, 49 seconds, time on ice. Some of that may be a slight bleed over um, from his time earlier this year, but the majority of that is from those, these last three games. No goals for, haven't allowed any, though, at 5-on-5. Five five. Um, controlling a 20-9 to nine shot advantage, 40-20 to 20 shot attempt advantage, and have a 71% expected goal share. Um, you know, we've been seeing, you know, we need to get someone on that line that has the offensive mind. You know, I think we've seen Beckman, you know, just he's been a guy that's been carrying the puck into the zone, trying to be creative inside the offensive zone. Um, every shift working his tail off, um, you know, had his first career goal called back last night um, on the second power play for a uh, offside that was centimeters um, offside. I'm surprised they said they had enough evidence there to overturn that. Um, but I think he's played really good. I think, you know, has he been the, a spark? I don't think necessarily, but I think he's helped that line be better. They've clearly controlled the play. Um, for me, it's not so much like, oh, I think Adam Beckman's looked amazing necessarily, but I think I don't think he's necessarily looked out of place. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, th- there needs to be a little bit of time to build up, you know, some chemistry and figure out tendencies, those types of things. Um, but it feels like it's opened up a little bit of space for Boldy, for Eck to operate. That line seemingly, you know, last night excluded, but, you know, this was the case for the entire team. Uh, you know, they've spent a lot of time in the offensive zone. I believe the game against... Dallas, um, that line through two periods um, had a hundred percent expected goal share, um, and had out attempted Dallas with them on the ice ten to zero, and finished that game I think with a shot attempt advantage like thirteen to three. So like controlling the play inside the zone. So I I didn't want to you know go to the end of this episode without talking about Adam Beckman um, because obviously Marcus Foligno's return um, reportedly looming. He did go on the trip with the team, which I thought was, you know, a good sign that they might, you know, be Mm -hmm. potentially looking to keep him in the lineup potentially. You know, maybe you throw Greenway or excuse me, Foligno on that third line with Goudreau and Duhame. Maybe, you know, maybe it's still Greenway. You bump, you know, maybe it's Reeves out of the lineup or God forbid it be Mason Shaw again or someone like Mm -hmm. that. But, you know, maybe, strengthen that that bottom six um and kind of keep this top six who i to me for the first time in a long time you know have strung together some games you know where that it's been two lines that have looked good consistently offensively um and i think the nashville game is a perfect example of that as we talked about the top of the show it opened up some opportunities for that third line because that second line was generating opportunities spending time in the offensive zone teams had to match that line a little bit more so you know, I don't think Brandon Duhame was 
bad in that spot necessarily, but it just seems like Beckman's brought a little bit more of that offensive flair. Um, those zone entries, those creative plays, tight spaces, you know, willingness to shoot the puck, all that stuff. So hasn't thought a place have been impressed. Um, any Adam Beckman thoughts? Not much more than what you said, uh, you know, than the fact that he's also, you know, opened things up on the second power plane and adding a little more talent. I mean, obviously that was goals waved off, but his uh, for a time for financial goals in the power play. And, uh, you know, it, like you said, it might not be a huge spark, but he also, you know, is adding a little more, a little more finishing talent, a little more shooting on that second power play, which, you know, as, as has been mentioned, it's been pretty not so good this year. So that uh, been good as well, but uh, no, not much else to add other than, you know, like Everson said in the post game last night, he's uh, been really good two way, good in his own end, and uh, you know, his and then like you said, Brett too has looked like he fits in an NHL as we kind of already saw earlier this year in his mm-hmm. first stint. So it's uh, it's good to see that hasn't changed. Right? Yeah, agreed. He's obviously been one of Iowa's best players and and did good in that preseason. Did you know? Looks looks doesn't look out of place. Certainly, like I'm just reiterating, but. Uh, he's really earned this and, uh, you know, the offense will come with him. He's obviously not afraid to shoot like we've mentioned. And, uh, I just kind of think if we end up making that Besser trade to go from like random guys thrown on the second power play to guys like maybe like Besser and Beckman on there, uh, you know, maybe that's what the, you know, what this team kind of needs, but no, he's, he's, he's looked good in these few games here. And he hasn't been a, been the one trick pony either. So correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think all of our thoughts that we vented um, regarding Kalen Addison haven't really mm-hmm. changed since then. No. So if you want to hear us uh, be angry about the decision to scratch Kalen Addison, go back and listen to our show from last week. Um, we had plenty of words to say there, but he continues to be scratched. Um, and given that the team has won three straight games, I doubt he will be back in, um, no. you know, unless Dumba or Gallic, uh Well, he could be potentially. Um, I guess the one bit of news we didn't talk about, Minnesota Wild uh, recalled Dakota Mermis on emergency terms today from the Iowa Wild because um, reportedly one, it's not, we're assuming is Jonas Brodeen, a little bit banged up. Um, I think still lear- nursing that lower body injury from a couple weeks ago when he missed some time. Um, and then it also sounds like we don't know who, but one of the defensemen might be sick or have an illness, um, which is why that recall was made because that would make, you know, two of those seven defensemen potentially unavailable, um, which would allow them for that emergency recall. Um, so if one of those two that is, we're assuming is Brody and one other, if Addis, Addison is not the other, um, could potentially draw in there, I would assume they'd bring Addison back before they put Mermis in, but at this point, who knows? Um, but, you know, if everyone proves to be healthy, um, by the time puck drop happens tomorrow, I, I wouldn't have Addison in the lineup, but given the situation, there's potentially could be back, um, which could be good for him. Cause maybe it's, you know, a chance for him, you know, opportunity arise and he can have, you know, put, put together a big game, show Dean Evison. Maybe he is learning mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like we said last week, it uh, doesn't seem like the guy can improve his defense and, and get better and learn if he's, not playing and watching eating popcorn. So it's, it is what it is, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let's see anything else deadline related. Obviously, you know, the players on the wild block, um, we've hit them most of them already. Dumba, um, you know, 
pass probably trying mm-hmm. to be shot, but you know, from what we've heard not a lot of interest there. Um, Jordan Greenway, we know they're very actively shopping, um, mm-hmm. though that could be a trade that more likely happens in the off season. Um, I think unless that Besser deal materializes, I would assume he would be a part of that trade. You know, whether that's maybe maybe that's what maybe goes to the third party broker or something too in that situation, right? A rebuilding team brings him in, you know, for a little bit more of a veteran presence, team control, cheap, big. Um, but that would be like the only scenario I would probably see Greenway moved. Um, if maybe in that deal, otherwise maybe they look to get, you know, 31 suitors um, come draft time. Um, and then Killen Addison, probably the other, you know, notable piece there. Um, again, that's that's a move that uh, probably feels more destined to happen draft time off season than in season. Um, but you never know when a deal, you know, the right deal might come across. So um, beyond that. Goligoski has been mentioned, but. Yeah, you know, that's the thought. Are they maybe showcasing him? But again, you know, I think a Goligoski trade facilitates the need to, you know, maybe that is a situation if you move Goligoski. Maybe now you look at a Luke Shen type of, you know, that depth defenseman so you Mm -hmm. don't have to have, you know, Dakota Mermis as your seventh guy. Um, But again, is is there a big difference there? I don't know necessarily, but... um, you know, some of those smaller pieces, but, you know, beyond those four, I mean, Ryan Reeves was rumbled there a little bit briefly. Um, but I do wonder now if the team's kind of worked it out again, if they, you know, maybe hold tight just for that physical intimidation presence. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, but I, yeah, I don't, I guess I doubt since they traded for him that he's going to be yeah. going anywhere, even if he's not playing every game. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, those four Addison, Dumba, Greenway, um, Goligoski. So, with all Addison aside, um, I wouldn't expect significant returns for any of those guys, really. Nope. But we'll see. Eight days to the deadline by the time you're listening to this. So, um, plenty to plenty to keep track of, um, no doubt. So, uh, let's see. Talked about Gustafson. Talked about Beckman. Hit on Addison. Trade deadline. Keep game recaps. Anything else? Uh, you guys want to hit on, you know, from this last week here before we wrap things up, final thoughts? Uh, not much. I mean, we said kind of at the end of last week, you know, when the homestand wasn't going so great that just needed to get two out of the last three, you know, stop bleeding. And they did obviously did that and better and won all three, stopped bleeding, kind of got some wins going, built a tiny bit of a cushion between them and some of the teams behind them. So, you know, like, like Brett, you mentioned earlier, with playing Columbus two in the next four, you got an opportunity to, you know, hopefully get those couple of games uh, and then, uh, you know, play in Toronto and, and against the Islanders. So, uh, yeah, just uh, just keep up. Just, you know, hopefully they just can keep winning and uh, get uh, on a little bit of a roll here heading into the trade deadline. And, I mean, maybe it doesn't affect too much, but, you know, how they play these next four games obviously will have an impact on what or any moves they make. So, Justin, anything else to add? No, just our final thoughts section. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I just I I just want to give a shout out to Seth Topol who's grinded his ass off and got Heck a media yeah. pass. Yep. Yeah. Uh, congrats to him. Proud of him. He's he's done a lot of work for Lockdown Wild and Wild content. And I'd like to shout out to the Wild too because I mean they ma- helped make it happen. I'm sure, and they they've reached out to us in the prospects page, and they're just really really good with some of these big account like maybe not even necessarily big accounts but accounts that are you know we're diehard fans and then doing this for fun and, and they see us so 
Yeah, it it definitely feels like a shift, you know, and I'm not pointing fingers at Chuck Fletcher, but I think Bill Guerin and the marketing and promotions team have realized the value um, in fan content, right? And in fan-based content, it's like, it's basically free marketing for your team. It is people that are talking about your team, promoting your team for literally no cost to you. Um Obviously, you know, at times they're probably going to say things you don't like, um, but, you know, when you're not paying them. But I think to help, you know, I won't go into all the ways, you know, the Wild have reached out to us because I think that's that's private. But you know, the Wild have reached out to us in the past, Justin, like you mentioned with the pro- with the prospect stuff. Um, but they've reached out to us, you know, given, sent us some stuff, you know, even just simple direct messages, those types of things. Um, I think they see value in fan-created content. And, and yeah, like you said, Seth um you know worked his ass off you know he's really built something cool there with locked on wild in terms of building out guests and the the diversity of the content and stuff so if you aren't following our friend seth and locked on wild do so now because it is a great uh i believe as he as he calls it your your great first listen um every day so um that's a daily if you're looking for daily wild content uh locked on wild seth they're your guy um of course our friends at soda pod too i believe are a five day a week podcast so um, mm-hmm. This time of year, you can't can't consume enough uh, a wild content. So, um, yeah, I think that that's a, that's a good positive note to end on here. So, uh, Columbus and then Toronto in the second night of a back to back. So that game, you know, definitely could be a grind. Uh, we get six p.m. starts uh, though the next two days because we're out east. So that's yeah. good. Uh, you nice. know, game done nice. by nine o'clock. Player cards done by ten, and then I still have the rest of my evening. So, good stuff there. Um, Another uh, Sunday matinee, Columbus at home, 1 o'clock, and then another home game against the Islanders on Tuesday. Um, I think they're playing very well right now. Elias Rokin, I think, has won four or five straight, uh, like like Gustafson type stuff where he's like one or two fewer goals each of those. I think he had a shutout tonight, actually. Um, so that game, you know, definitely could be a good test too, but, you know, we saw a pretty low-scoring um, type battle too. Um, last time the Islanders came to town, I want to say that it actually kind of like coincides when Gustafson, I think, kind of really started to go on his run was about that that time the Islanders game happened. So, mm-hmm. you know, two easier games on the schedule, two more difficult games in the schedule. Um, you know, if they go two and two and maybe you know squeeze one out by a Gustafson miracle and go three and one in that stretch, you know, if you lose to Toronto on the second of a back to back, maybe not the worst thing. Um, but you know, should be a should be a fun stretch here, and and of course, following that, um, a day off Thursday in Vancouver, and then that Friday is a trade deadline. So five games still before the trade deadline, which you know that's still a lot of runway for the Wild to crumble, accelerate further. Um, so we'll see if Bill Guerin, you know, maybe maybe to see buyout maybe through these next three games, and then a reassess, or and we never know if there's something that works. But uh, should be an exciting next week of of Wild. Um, games and potential trades and all that stuff here as we head into the trade Absolutely. deadline and still some big names out in the general trade market as well. Uh, we mentioned some of them, Eric Carlson, uh, T- Timo Meyer out there. Um, trying to think of some of their big fish that are being dangled. Obviously, Patrick Kane. Um, you know, our thoughts on that, but still, you know, mm-hmm. one of the bigger names out there. But we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, that'll about do it for us. So, uh, Justin, why don't you remind everybody where they can find you and all of your work? You can find me at the East 2004. You can find me at FC with the Caprizov Countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. Zeke? Yeah, as usual, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Zeke Boyat, capital Z, capital B, and uh, that's where you find me if you want to connect. 
And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well at Sound the Foghorn, all one word, both on Twitter and Instagram, Columbus, Toronto, Columbus again, and the Islanders in advance of our next show. And then just one game after that until the 2023 NHL trade deadline. Wild riding a three-game winning streak. We're hoping there are more wins than losses the next time we talk to you, which will be Wednesday night next week. So until then, this has been another episode of Sound the Fog. Sound the Fog.